Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, choir. Go ahead, if you would, and turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, hold your spot there, and um, we're going to get there soon enough. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we got some other ground to cover, other verses we'll pull in, but Romans 8 is really kind of the main part that I want us to focus on, even though it's going to be towards the end of the message, Romans 8. So go ahead and find your spot there, and uh, you can camp there. So we're starting a brand new series today called Road Trip, and uh, the reason for that is because we're all on the same journey through life, right? We can all relate to that. We're kind of on a road trip through life, but also for a lot of folks in this room, probably more, uh, obviously, than, than not, you're also on... Uh, a journey with Christ, that, that your walk with God is also a journey in and of itself. And so that's what we're going to look at as uh, as we move through this summer. The, the series, Road Trip, is going to last pretty much the whole entire summer. And uh, it's going to be a fun ride. I think it's going to be real enjoyable looking at the similarities between our walks with God, and uh, and also just kind of a road trip. There, believe it or not, are a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities along the way. And so uh, everybody can relate to a road trip. You've all probably taken road trips before, whether it was as a family or when you were a kid, or maybe you had some friends in college, or even now still you, you get your friends together, you hit the road, you do a little bit of a road trip. All of us can relate to that. Now, I know Adam had a little fun with it, uh, but I did not necessarily have a van like this. I did not even have a van actually whenever I was growing up and uh, but how many of you remember road tripping in a van similar to this I'm just curious anybody willing to raise your hand all right some of you and uh, maybe for others of you you're familiar with the road trip in something like this Right, that's me when I was a kid now not this color specifically it was maroon from what I can remember but a lot of you, when you think back to life back in the day, when you'd hit the road, and this was what it was in, man. Your dad was behind the wheel, or maybe your mom was behind the wheel, and you'd throw everything in the dog and luggage and snacks and bottle, everything in there, right? You just had it all. And uh, for me, when I think about the, the station wagon we had, this is what I remember is this right here. Right, the jump seats, the most unsafe thing in the entire world. Pretty sure we did not even know how to operate the seat belts in this thing. But we had a uh, station wagon with these jump seats that were about four and a half inches off the pavement as you're flying down the highway. And, uh, and this wasn't even the worst part. Sometimes a lot of you, I'm not even going to ask for hands on this, your riding place was in the back window. All right, that's where you rode. You'd get sunburn on the way to wherever it was whenever you would road trip. But I remember this. This is my memories. And uh, we'd hit the road, and it'd be in our station wagon, and we'd have jump seats like this. And granted, they were usually filled with luggage on the long road trips, but there were other times you could pop those things up and just ride right along in them. So some of you, this is not your road trip variety. This was your variety. Right, how many of you are, are uh, this kind of road trip? You do some of this. You travel around. You find the... You know, the RV parks or wherever, you get the pop-up camper, maybe something similar, and uh, I would not know how to work this thing. I would be sleeping outside under the stars in the wet and the cold because I wouldn't be able to figure this out. Now, some of you maybe remember this as your road trip variety. Any of you have, I'm curious, any of you have one of these back in the, any of you still have one today, right? The big W on the side, that stands for a Winnebago, the flat front, kind of the classic look there. They've streamlined them just a little bit through the, uh, through the years. But more than likely, most people in the room right now, this is kind of what you're thinking of for road trip. It's something like this, little minivan, maybe the family car, whatever it is, you've got your own version but when you think back in the day for some of you you remember some of those things road trips are things we can all relate to for me when I was a kid I remember we would road trip every summer it was just it was a part of our family tradition and it was always my mom my dad my older brother 
who was seven years older than me, and then my cousin, who Gary, who was a year older than him. Now, my two older sisters, they were so far spread out. My oldest sister was 17 years older than me, and my next sister is 14 years older than me. So they were already kind of grown and gone when I remember vacation. And we would throw everything in the station wagon. We'd hit the road. My dad would be driving. He would drive the whole way, and uh, he we would we would do the circuit. We would... We'd hit my, my uh, aunt and uncle in Stone Mountain. That's where we would go. We'd, we'd go to stay with them. And then we would also hit Cherokee, North Carolina, Drama Motel, room number 31 on the end with the creek, the raging river back behind it. And uh, it was, we would take rafts. Me, my brother and I and my cousin, we'd take these two blue, like, kind of rafts that you'd blow up and sit in and we'd go down this little this this raging river I mean it was amazing it had an island in the middle of it until I went back as an adult with kids and uh, I realized you could just about throw a rock across this river this raging river I remembered it it was so big back then but we'd always stay in the same room room number 31 drama motel and uh and my mom would always have to pretty sure this was illegal in the state of North Carolina we'd always have to get these big giant rocks for the rock garden at home that we never even ever had. We just have these rocks scattered all over the yard for years and years and years, and they were the most horrendous. It was always at the end, you're tired, and it would be me and my brother, my dad, my poor dad. We'd have to carry these things and put them in the station wagon and take them all the way back to Savannah, Georgia. Again, probably breaking laws all, the, all along the way. And I remember those times, those road trips, man, it was just so good. And, and there's a principle that's there. When you think about a road trip, I'm going to give you about uh, five or six principles today that are going to be the foundation for this whole series. But the first one I think we need to really keep in mind, it's that the road trips are as much about the journey as they are the destination. It's not just about getting there. It's not just about you know getting to, to Disney World. It's not just about getting to Stone Mountain. It's not just about getting to whatever city you're driving to, wherever you're going. For the kids, that's usually the way it is. You know, how much further? And then five minutes later, how much further? You know, but for, for us as adults, we realized the journey was as much a part of the trip as the destination. It was as much a part of the journey, of, of the experience. It was getting there. I remember going to my aunt and uncle's in Stone Mountain. Like I mentioned, every year we would go there. I, I've seen Stone Mountain more times than probably all of you collectively. And, and we would go there every single year, sometimes more than once. And they had this long hallway. And uh, it was probably 30 feet long. It was a wood hallway. They always kept it real glossy. And we would go there, me and my brother and my cousin, we would get our socks on and we would just go running out. And we'd just like slide down that hallway. It felt like 200 feet long when we were kids, all right? And, and when I think about road trips, I think about that kind of stuff. I think about the experiences in Gatlinburg and Vogel State Park and Cherokee and Stone Mountain, the other places we would go. And, and I remember, and it helps me to realize and just to keep in mind that the journey is as, part, is as much a part of the experience as the destination is. It's not just about getting to the destination. It's about the journey getting there uh, as, as well. It's about the stops along the way. And, and when you think about it, it it's about the, the, the baggage that you carry and the rest stops and, and, and spending $41 on snacks in the Circle K 10 miles out of town. Right? And your mom and dad are like, we did not budget for this. We're not stopping it. That's why dads never stop, right? Because they stopped once when you were about five years old and you spent $41 at the Circle K before you left town. And he never stopped again for the rest of your vacations. 
That was why. I mean, that, now it's all figured out. I mean, this sermon's already worth it for you. And so, so it, it's, a, it's about all of those kind of things. And it's about the scenic overlooks and pulling off the road and sometimes even about getting lost along the way. And, and it's about the epic vacation road trip fails that probably some of you are thinking about even right now this very moment when the car broke down or you stayed in that motel, right? You know the difference between a motel and a hotel? About $150. That's the difference between a motel and a hotel. And you've got those stories, you know? I mean, that was all, it was the journey was all a part of that. It was the people that you traveled with, kind of whether it was mom or dad or grandma, or grandpa, aunts or uncles or cousins or friends or college buddies, whatever it was. All of that was a part of it. And then there was the destination. It was a part of it. But it was the journey along the way. Now, here's the thing. When you think about the Christian life, again, we're all on a journey through life. But for us in this series, we're going to kind of look at that, that, that context of it, that we're all also on the same journey as followers of Jesus. If you've given your life to Christ, then you are also on a journey. We're all on that same journey if you've placed your faith in Christ. And, and a lot of the same things, this is why I'm so excited about this series, because a lot of the things that happen on a real physical road trip, they have parallels in regards to our spiritual lives and our spiritual journey with God as well. You know, sometimes we take a little baggage along with us on our Christian walks, and some of that we have to sort through. Some of it we have to learn to drop it off. Sometimes when we think about it on our journeys through, through life with Christ, we have, uh, we have some travel partners, right? We have travel buddies, and uh, we're not traveling that journey alone. We've got others that are making that journey along with us. In the Christian life, there are scenic overlooks. There are little rest stops along the way. But sometimes we get so busy, we miss them. Sometimes we get so busy, we don't take time for them. We just put our head down and we grind and, and we just kind of sort through life and we fly through even our Christian life and we miss some of the things God wants us to see along the way. When you think about the Christian life, sometimes there are some, um, so, sometimes there are some tourist traps. You ever fallen prey to a tourist trap along the way when you're on your journey with your family or your friends? Well, there are some of those along the way for us as Christians as well. We're going to take a look at some of those. When you think about our journey with Christ as we move through our Christian walk, there, there's finally a destination as well. Yes, it's a journey, but there's, there is a destination. We're going to take a look at that as well as we move through this. And sometimes along the way, you just sort of get off the beaten path. You didn't really mean to, and you find yourself in an area that, that's a little scary, that's unpredictable. Sometimes you find yourself wondering, how do I get back where I used to be as a follower of Jesus? Sometimes we even almost break down. We find ourselves waiting, wondering what's going to come next. All of that plays in to the journey that we're on through our relationship with Jesus. So the Christian life is as much about the journey as it is specifically as well about the destination. It, it, it's, it's so similar to, to a literal road trip. But I want to give you another principle as well that plays out of this. And this, is one, this one is important, that the journey with God that I'm talking about, when we as followers of Christ find ourselves on a, on a new journey with God, what often happens is, is that God has prepared us for that long before we even realize it. You know, when you think about it, this is the case for me. When I was a little boy, like seven, eight, nine years old, and we're loading up the station wagon, and we're getting everything pulled together, and the blue rafts, and all the luggage, and all that kind of stuff, and, and we would set out, and we would pull out of the driveway, and we'd back out and put it in drive, and we hit the road, and the, the, the journey has started. I had no idea, and you didn't either when you were that age, no idea how much my mom and dad had put into that particular trip behind the scenes before it ever even began. 
When you think about it, for some of you, maybe you had a parent, a mom or a dad. Maybe they worked a separate job. Maybe they got an extra few hours each week so that they could get an extra little bit of money in their pocket to help pay for where they would take you over the course of that road trip. Maybe for some of you, 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 you didn't even get a chance to see that while you were in school, February, March, April, May, your mom is making preparations. She's going to Sears and Belk and all kinds of places buying stuff that's going to help make the trip a little bit better. Maybe for you, you didn't get a chance to see how your dad had to shell out that little bit of money to get a couple of new tires for the van or for the car, right, for that trip. I mean, kids don't see those kinds of things. We miss it. And in the same way, what often happens is that we miss how God prepares us for our journey with him behind the scenes as well. Let me give you some examples in Scripture. For example, in the Bible, when you read the story in Mark chapter 10 of a man named Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus was blind. He was unable to help himself. He had to depend on other people to get him where he needed to be. And what we find is at the end of that story in Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus ultimately, he's, he, he finds himself because someone probably led him there or placed him there in just the right spot on the road at just the right moment when Jesus comes passing by. And he's going to find himself ultimately introduced to Jesus and healed <laughs> because God was working behind the scenes to get him where he needed to be. Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus has heard about Jesus. Zacchaeus had a little bit of history. He could use a Savior. And you know the story. He finds himself on just the right road. Who knows? Maybe there was a delay in the journey, right, that caused him to have to wait. And regardless, he finds himself squeezing in just the right spot in front of just the right tree because Zacchaeus, he, he, didn't, he wasn't a real big fella. He, he would have had a hard time seeing Jesus over the crowd. Jesus would not have physically seen him unless Zacchaeus had been put at just the right spot on just the right road at just the right time near just the right tree. God sorted all that out. And he prepped Zacchaeus behind the scenes to be able to meet Jesus. You get to the book of Acts and you begin to see the early church start to grow and start to explode. We read of a man named Paul. Paul who had this huge Jewish lineage. He'd been trained by the best, a man named Gamaliel. And he knew Old Testament history like the back of his hand. And he knew about a coming Messiah. What a surprise, however, when Paul at just the right spot on that road to Damascus in just the right timing ultimately would meet Jesus and his life would be changed, not just in that moment, but forever. It was God moving and working behind the scenes. You look in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 10, and there's a fellow uh, named Cornelius. He's an Italian soldier, a centurion. He, uh, he didn't have a relationship with God, and, and yet you find that this centurion, ultimately, that God works behind the scenes to lead him as well to a relationship with Christ. You go to Acts chapter 16, there's this Philippian jailer in the city of Philippi. He's guarding two, two inmates by the name of Paul and Silas, they were not hardened criminals. All they did was tell people about Jesus, and they upset the Roman rule. They got thrown into prison there in the Roman colony of Philippi. And as they're there in prison, they're shackled, and they're singing praises to God. And there's a jailer there who doesn't have a relationship with God. And by the end of the night, not only the jailer, but his whole house had placed their faith in Christ. Why? Because God was working behind the scenes in a way he could never have seen for him to be able to be on guard that night whenever the greatest missionary who ever walked this earth happened to be in the jail cell under his watch. Man, in the same way, when you think about your journey with Jesus as a Christian, have you ever stopped to think about how God has worked behind the scenes before you ever even came to know him? 
to prepare you for the journey that you're on with him right now. Maybe he gave you a Christian mom like he did for me, or maybe a Christian dad. The whole reason, one of the factors that, that played into me even giving my life to Jesus as a little kid was because my mom shared the gospel with me. It was God working behind the scenes. I never could have realized that. He gave me a Christian mom. He gave me a dad who was a believer, but later in his life would really begin to gain speed in his maturity and his walk with the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe God gave you a Christian parent, a Christian grandparent, maybe a family member who knew the Lord. Maybe there was someone in your life who made sure you were in church as a little kid all the time. Maybe they took you to vacation Bible school. Maybe it was a coworker that you weren't even thinking of God. You're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever it may have been, and yet there was this one coworker who seemed to always have peace in the midst of the hard times, or always had joy no matter what was going on around them, and it just had this something about them that, that man, you just wanted and it was that coworker that God ultimately had put in your life, prepping you long before your relationship with God would begin. And he ultimately would lead you to Christ through that person's influence. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's one of your kids. You know, there may even be some here right now. You haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. You're on life's journey, but you're not on a journey with God yet. Listen, God is moving behind the scenes. And he's drawing you to himself. And oftentimes what happens is it is one of the kids who at the age of six or seven, they pray in a way, and that mom or that dad who hasn't started their journey with Christ yet, they're thinking, man, I wish I could pray like that. And their little child, seven, eight years old, has such a compassion, and they come home and they tell stories about how they helped someone at school, and you're thinking, man, I just wish I had that kind of a heart. And they have a love for God, and they want to be in church, they want to learn more, and they want to grow, and you're seeing God work in their life, and without even realizing it, maybe until right now you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I've not started my journey with Christ yet, and yet now I can begin to see how God is prepping me all along the way, through my kids, or through my spouse, or through my friends, or through certain experiences in my life. That's what God does. When we think about our journey with Christ, life is a journey, but that Christian journey, it's something that God often prepares prepares us for well before and we've never even stopped to think you know what I should thank God for that God thank you for that parent thank you for that influencer thank you for that teacher thank you for that co-worker thank you for that experience that trial that hardship that softened my heart and prepared me ultimately for you you know we're on this journey through life but we're on this journey through Christ. There's, a, there's another principle. We're just kind of building as we go. And this fourth principle that we see is that your journey with God ultimately starts at salvation. It starts at salvation. That's the starting point. When we would take vacation when I was a kid, we'd, again, we'd back out of the garage, we'd hit it, drive, hit it and drive, and off we go. Journey has started. The road trip has begun. That was the definitive starting point. There was never a hazy starting point. It's not like you realize somewhere along Metter, right, on I-16 in an hour, 15 minutes into it or whatever. It's like, oh, we're on the journey. No, you knew there was a definitive starting point. You knew when the road trip would begin, and it's the same way in the Christian life. Look at some of these passages. You don't have to turn here. You can just read them on on the screen with me. The first one is in John 1, verse 12. Speaking about Jesus, it says, But as many as received him, as many as received Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, I was never very good at math. I was horrendous at math, actually. And uh, I could not stay in math. It took me three times to get Algebra 1 out of the way in college. 
finally did it. And, uh, and once I did that, I was a journalism major, never took math again. So I'm not much of a math person, but there is a math equation that's up here. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but when you look at the words that are highlighted, the one up top, received, the one at the bottom, believe, when you add those two together, they equal become. And what John is saying here in this verse is that as many back then and still even today, as many as have received Jesus, meaning we have invited him as Lord of our lives, as many who have done that, plus believed in him, meaning not just intellectually that we believe the facts about him, but we believe him to the point to where we trust our lives to him. We, we act on that to where we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. Would you forgive me and take over? Would you save me starting right now? When we believe and we receive, believe plus receive equals become. What happens there is that when we make that decision, place our faith in Christ, we believe in him, we receive him, he transforms and changes us instantly on the inside to where we then become part of his family. We become part of the very family of God. We are, as the old preachers would say, we're saved at that point. Right? We are in a relationship. The journey has begun. That's the definitive starting point of anybody who's going to start their journey ultimately with Christ. And it's from that point where the journey starts there that Christ is now in control. He's the one that calls the shots. He's the one who steers the life. And he's the one that we ultimately follow. Right? You look at this other passage. Look, look, look at this next one here after John chapter 1. Let's bring up the next slide, John chapter 14, a little further in that book. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Here's where we begin to realize that the starting point in our journey with Jesus is it's not only definitive in time, but it's also exclusive. You can get to Stone Mountain from a lot of different ways, a lot of different areas, a lot of different interstates will lead you to Stone Mountain, to Disney World, right, to whatever place you used to go. There are a lot of different roads. There are not a lot of roads. In fact, there's only one that leads us to a relationship with God, and the reason we know that is because of this. It's because of this verse from the lips of the one who is the Savior and who is the Lord, right? He's the one who said it. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Acts chapter 4, Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, look at what he says. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. There are not multiple roads. The journey with God begins only through the person of Jesus. When our journey began, when we would road trip as a little kid, we had to back out of our driveway and we had to hit the road, right? It started there. That's the only place that it started. It didn't start anywhere else. It had to start there. And when we think about the journey through our our lives with God, the only way we can start that journey with God is through our relationship with Jesus. There aren't multiple roads that get to God. Regardless of the old adage, right, the old proverb from however many centuries ago, obviously not in the Bible, but would, would try to equate uh, eternal life and relationship with God to, you know, the, the, the various men who, who were blind and surveyed an elephant and one touched the back and said, oh, this is what an elephant's like. And another touched the trunk and said, oh, no, this is what an elephant's like. And another one touched his tail and yet another one touched his foot. And, and, and the old adage, right, the proverb is that, you know, they all uh, experience something different, but but in the end, it was all the same elephant. Here's the problem with that. God's not an elephant, okay? It breaks down on so many different levels. There is only one way to God, and it's not through the Hindu way. It's not through the Methodist way or the Baptist way or the Buddhist way. There is one way. It's the Jesus way. 
And the only way the Jesus way, gets that path gets stepped on, is when we turn from our sin and place our faith in him. Believe plus receive equals become. So when we think about salvation, that's the starting point of our journey. All right, the title of this message, Hit the Road. The way we hit the road in our journey with God is that we place our faith in Christ. So let's talk about salvation for just a second. Principle number five, your salvation is both an event and a process. It's an event and it's a process. So you think about John three sixteen, right? Probably the most well-known verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, there's that picture again, trust, surrender, right? Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. The picture there is that in that moment, you will have a relationship with God that will never be taken away. You, when we believe in Christ, when we trust in him, turn from our sin, place our faith in him, in that moment, we have everlasting life that can't be lost, it can't be uh, uh, sinned away, right? We have everlasting life in that moment, in that event. I remember when I was a kid, and I went out in my backyard, as I referenced earlier, my mom had shared the gospel with me, and I remember, I don't remember how old I was, I don't remember the date, I don't remember even the time of year, all I remember was my mom told me how to have a relationship with God by giving my heart to Jesus, and I went outside the best I could, and I I remember in that moment being there and giving my life to Christ. The reason I know it is because I was there, it was an act of my will, it was my choice, to begin following Jesus in that very moment. And when you think about your salvation, it is an event. Many of you right now, you can think about and you remember where you were. You may not remember your age or what day of the year, and that's okay. You're not going to get that quiz when you get to heaven, but you remember definitively when you gave your life to Jesus. And you remember, you know what? It it was... When I was X amount of years old, or it was that, that second night of vacation Bible school, or it was in this church that I used to go to, or it was outside my office when my coworker shared the gospel with me, or it was after my divorce, or it was after that tragedy, or that trial, or that difficulty. You remember when you made a break from the old life, and you placed your faith in Christ. It was an event. And you celebrate it. Hopefully it still brings gratitude to your heart when you remember what that was and and, and how it all unfolded and how God drew you to himself and you took him up on his offer. But some of you, you can't remember that. And I'm not talking about you don't remember a day or a time or how old. You don't remember ever making that decision. And it's always kind of nagged you a little bit. And you've always kind of had that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind. It's like, you know what? If anybody asks you, hey, you going to heaven when you die? It's like, you know, I hope so. Because you just can't remember ever making that decision for yourself. You know what I would say to someone in that circumstance? That if you don't remember for certain ever making the decision to definitively break from your old life and ask Christ to forgive and take over, and if that's something that you want today, why not do it right now? Why not make that decision for yourself, right? To be certain that you've placed your faith in Christ, that the event of salvation has taken place for you so that you can be certain that the journey has begun for your sake. Salvation is an event, but it's also a process. So let's just say you give your life to Christ. Here's the thing. The journey's not over there. That's what a lot of Christians think. Well, I gave my life to Christ. 
I, I, I prayed that prayer, right, kind of a mentality. I guess my journey's done. I just sort of bide my time, do whatever I want till I get to heaven. No, that's just where the journey starts. That's the jumping on point. Again, that's when you back out of the driveway of your old life, and now a new journey has started with Christ in the lead, Christ at the center. Christ is the one that's driving that life now from this point forward. Salvation was not just an event, but it's also a process, I want you to see something really interesting. Let's take a walk through some passages of Scripture here real quickly. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is writing. It's important to keep in mind he's writing to a group of Christians. He's writing to a church in Ephesus. Here's what he says. He says to them, For by grace you have been saved through faith. He's talking about that event. You've made the decision to entrust your lives to Jesus. You have followed him uh, uh, with, your, you know, with your life. You've turned from sin. You've accepted Christ. You have been saved through faith. There was an event, Paul says, in the past where this has happened. Your salvation was in some ways past tense. And he says even there, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. God gave it by his grace, and you just responded. So in one sense, our salvation is past tense. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians here, chapter 1. He says to yet again another church, group of Christians in Corinth, he says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, not past tense, who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, there's an interesting perspective there. Paul says, yes, you gave your life to Christ. You were saved back in the past. Your journey began But it didn't end there. You were still on a journey with God, and in the midst of that journey, he is at work. He is helping you to grow into your salvation, right? He has called you a child of God when you place your faith in him in the past. Now he's molding and shaping you, as we're going to see at the close here in just a moment. He's molding and shaping you because you are, in a sense, still being saved. doesn't mean you're only 50% saved today or 85% or any of that. You're fully saved if you've given your life to Christ, but he is molding you. You and he's shaping you in the midst of your salvation. And then look at this passage in Rome, uh, Romans chapter 5. Paul speaking to the Christians in Rome. He says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, you've been saved in the past, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. There's a day yet to come. And this is really good news. Especially if you're like I am, where I've lost my mom, my dad, my oldest sister. They've all three passed away. And I know where they are today because of their faith in Jesus. I know where they are. But there's going to be a day, the Bible says, Paul is very clear, he says, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Anytime someone passes away, instantly, if they had a relationship with God, their eyes open in brand new life, right? They're in the presence of God instantly. But there's going to be a day, 1 Thessalonians speaks of, where Christ is going to return, and there's going to be a shout. <laughs> there's going to be a voice of the archangel. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that the dead are going to be raised, the dead in Christ will be raised first. And then those who are alive, who, when that event happens, yet to come, they're also going to be raised, raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. Right? There's going to be a moment in time, and I can't fully understand it, but I believe it because the Bible talks about it, when our earthly bodies are going to be replaced with a brand new body. Right? And we're going to be in the presence of God forever and ever. That's yet to come for us. In that sense, we will be saved. We will, the, the, the end will have come. The journey will have been over, and eternity has begun. Right? Never to end. Your salvation is both an event but it's also a process. Here's the final point, pulls it all together. This is, this is so important that the destination is not just about getting to heaven, but it's also about 
transformation. It's about God changing his followers, you and me, in a very specific way. Look at what it says here in Romans chapter 8. I think this is perhaps one of the best passages that we can go to. You were wondering if I was ever going to get to Romans. I had you turn there like four hours ago. And no, all that was an intro. We're, we're finishing up, so don't. I know your stomach's already growled three or four times. We're almost done. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, your mom, your dad, you as a parent, you can't make every difficulty on your road trip come together for good, but God can. He somehow is able to work behind the scenes to work good out of every circumstance. That loss, that trial, that hardship, that struggle, that time in the wilderness when you kind of jumped the fence and lived life on your terms, but God still forgave and he brought us back, right? God can work good out of all of that. But look in verse 29. It says, for those, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Again, a picture that we are in his family. When we place our faith in Jesus, if anyone were to ever ask you, hey, what's God's will for your life? If you were to ask me, Brooks, what do you think God's will is for my life? I would say, as it relates to your career, I have no idea. As it relates to marriage, relationships, no idea. Where to live, what to drive, where to work, I have no idea. I don't know what to tell you. But one thing I can tell you, it's the same for you as a Christian as it is for me, is that God's overarching will for you, for me, is that we be conformed to the image of his son. That word conformed is a Greek word. And it means literally to be changed gradually over time. It's not an instantaneous process. You were saved in an instant in the event, but the process of your salvation is God transforming you. Yes, it's important, and it's, it's a blessing to think one day my destination is heaven. That's going to be awesome. But listen, part of the destination is also being molded and shaped into the image of God, and God will be at work whittling in you and in me as his followers, and, and, and he'll whittle off attitudes at times, things that don't look like Christ. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll begin to address certain things that aren't where they need to be in our lives. And in the same way that when you have an illness and you go to the doctor and they say, you're going to be on antibiotic for two weeks, take these home and, and uh, take the medication and call me when you're done. It, you don't take all 28 pills at one time, right? Two a day for 14 days because you're going to be in the ER at best. It's gradual. You take one in the morning, one at night. You do it for the next 13 days and nights. And at the end of it, you feel better. And your body is better off. You're more healthy as a result of it. If God changed everything in Brooks's life today, before I go to bed tonight, that need to be addressed and changed all in one day, I would not be able to withstand it. But over time, in this journey, this road trip, God faithfully in just the right timing, that Greek word as well that we translate, sunmorphos, that we translate as, as conformed, gradually, over time, not superficially, but doing real heart work on the inside, God transforms us. And his desire is that every day we jump up on the anvil where the master worker does his best work. And we say, here I am, Lord. Do with me as you desire.
That's what it means to be on journey with Jesus. It starts when we place our faith in him. And then the process throughout the rest of the journey is him molding and changing and shaping us. It says into the image. It's a Greek word, akon, which means a mirror-like representation to where he changes us into the image of Christ. Listen, don't be distracted. Listen, so that... When others see us and they go to work with us and they see us in our front yards and they see us on the weekends and they hang with us and they sit at the dinner table with us and they have conversation with us and they watch us from a distance, they say, you know, that's a little bit of what Jesus looks like. Not that we're perfect or better because we're neither. But we become a, an image, a representation of who he is as he molds us through the journeys of our life with Christ. There's some great views along the way. There's some pit stops that'll get us in trouble. Sometimes there's baggage to deal with, but there's a beautiful destination at the end. And all along the way, God travels with us. My question for you is, are you grateful for what he's done to even get you on the journey to begin with, working behind the scenes of your life? My other question is, have you even started that journey? Have you placed your faith in Christ? And if not, what is it that's keeping you from doing that even right now? And the final question is, are you on the anvil to let him mold and shape you? Because that part of the journey is just as important as getting home. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we mistakenly treat the Christian life from a perspective of charting our own course and kind of living out our own journey and hoping and praying that somehow you'll be with us. When really, Lord, in essence, the whole Christian life is not about living out our journey and hoping that you'll come along. It's about joining you on your journey and letting you steer the course. Lord, sometimes we have changes to make. Your Holy Spirit taps us on the heart, convicts us of some things that need to change. God, I thank you that you're always there to help us when we're willing to. Thank you that you chart our course, that you, you make our pathway clear. You use your word, you use other people, you use church, circumstances. And God, all along the way, you're faithful. Lord, I pray for us as followers of Christ that through the summer that we'll, we'll be faithful to really kind of walk through what it means to be on journey with Jesus and to look at these different elements that are so much like taking a literal road trip. Lord, if we can't be here because we have to be out of town because we're on our own vacation or what have you, Lord, help us to, to check it out online so that we can just, just learn more about what it means to be on journey with you. And for those today who've never even started that journey, Lord, I pray that they'll start it today when they just simply invite you, Jesus, to forgive them of all their sin knowing that you've died, that you've risen to pay for it, and that they would invite you to forgive them and to save them, starting from this day forward. And God, we thank you that you always hear that prayer. Lord, help us to walk with you, to enjoy you, and to worship you along the way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.